Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash Podcast! All right, guys, what is going on? You are tuned to the newest episode of the Fistful of Cash Podcast. I am your host, Dale Lippin, flying solo all by myself today. Brother Bear is at the Pittsburgh Penguins game, hopefully winning us some money there. This episode, as usual, is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Go to MyBookie.ag, enter promo code GIVEMECASH, and receive a 50% match on your initial deposit. Promo code GIVEMECASH, MyBookie.ag. You guys check that out. All right, so here we are, back to a winning weekend, which is always nice. So we get a chance to, you know, sort of right the ship, if you will, and had a couple big wins, had a couple losses that didn't exactly go our way. And, you know, since he's not here, I'm going to talk a little bit more about UFC than we normally do because that's primarily what I care about. And that's where I feel our worst beat of the weekend came in. Uh, if you recall last Tuesday's show, when we were sort of previewing UFC 230, it had been mentioned that Daniel Cormier had a great possibility of winning the fight in the second round via submission. And odds that that were coming in at about plus 450. And what ended up happening? Well, Daniel Cormier won that fight in the second round by submission. However, Friday's play was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a, I don't know. We, we tried to get funky with it and sort of shore up some money and make things as foolproof as humanly possible. And of course, whenever two grown men get in a cage and want to punch each other in the face, what can go wrong will go wrong in terms of, well, it depends on what side of the table you're sitting at when it comes to wagering. That being said, our play was under a round and a half, or I'm sorry, over a round and a half. So you had to make it to the two minute and 30 second mark of the second round, and you would have made your money plus some. So 1.3 return on your money, which is what you would have gotten, which would have been great. Except for the fact that Daniel Cormier decided to tap out Derek Lewis 16 seconds too early. So we lost by 16 seconds which harkened back to last weekend where we lost on a touchdown with 30 seconds left, a touchdown with a minute and a half left, and a field goal. So it was a good time. Um, I thought that the weekend was starting off in you know rather piss-poor fashion. However, we threw together a perfect NFL Sunday, which righted the ship and righted all wrongs, and we really turned things around. Some takeaways from UFC 230 that I have. One, Derek Lewis is, you know, obviously very one-dimensional, but it's really hard to uh, understand how, just as a human being, you can be so inept at getting your body up off the ground. I would like to think that even in the most basic of circumstances, a person is not a direct descendant from a turtle, and therefore when you place them on their back, they have a general idea on how to get up, or at least how their body should move in order for them to get up. 
It's almost as if Derek Lewis has to sleep in a chair or standing up being suspended by ropes or something of that nature because if he laid down on his back, I'm not sure that the man would know how to right himself again. I understand the tactical way of wanting to get up and not expose yourself to you know, various chokes or strikes or anything of that nature, but Daniel Cormier was implementing zero, and I mean absolutely zero, advanced grappling techniques. He literally was laying his 251 super fat frame on on top of Derek Lewis and completely controlled that man. Derek Lewis didn't even put flat feet on the ground and try to arch his hips to get up. He literally did nothing. Um, it, it, it was embarrassing from a mobility standpoint. He did throw a jumping switch kick, though, in the first like 45 seconds of the fight, which was awesome. We did know that he had that in the repertoire. So did Daniel Cormier. And when you're six foot five and weigh 265 plus pounds, it takes a while to set that kick up. And Cormier saw it coming and blocked it, you know, justly. Cormier did exactly what he needed to do to win the fight. Unfortunately, in doing so, we've now set up this inevitable shit show of a fight with Brock Lesnar, who is the most undeserving uh, heavyweight contender we've seen in recent memory. Uh, I don't think that Brock Lesnar has a spot in the UFC, or he should rather, because regardless of the fact that he was once the heavyweight champion in the weakest division the UFC's ever known, he is a cheater and a known cheater. And I've got no sympathy in my heart or place in the sport for cheaters. Him and John Jones can go fight each other in Japan when they're both roided up to the gills like Overeem was, as far as I'm concerned with the two of them. So now we've got the... Heavyweight division, it's completely being held up by this inevitable circus of a fight. And, you know, you got guys like Curtis Blades and, you know, realistically, Stipe. I mean, you're in the business of giving immediate rematches to people that don't deserve it. and Or even people that, you know, if you wait enough time and then try to bring it back around like TJ and Cody and then you let them fight again. There's really no need to let Stipe fight unless he fights somebody else prior to. But, I mean, why not? You know, you got all these guys that are actually more deserving and clean, testable, USADA-verified athletes. Instead, you're, you know, you got Brock Lesnar taking the winner off in a lodge in Minnesota trying to flush all the roids out of his system so he doesn't piss hot long enough to enter the pool to fight Cormier in, what, like the July 4th card? Meanwhile, you got, you know, Curtis Blades and Ngannou getting ready to fight again. And that's taking place in Beijing. That's coming up real quick. And then what? You just got Curtis Blades waiting in the wings for a year plus. Because if that fight happens at the end of early spring, early summer, something to that effect, whoever it is is going to want to take four months off, five months off, six months off. So we're looking at this time next year before, you know, probably Stipe or Curtis Blades get the fight for a title, which shouldn't be the case. I mean, literally holding these units or these uh, divisions hostage. But anyway, Cormier looked looked good. He did exactly what he needed to do. Um, he came in really heavy. I don't think he was even worried about Derek Lewis in the slightest bit. You know, he did a good job of hyping up the fight and, you know, selling Derek Lewis's fight IQ and his heart and his inability to quit and so on and so forth, blah, 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 blah. He did exactly what he needed to do. He got it done, and he's still the champ. 
So hopefully the, the division's not held up for too long. Uh, Jacare upset Chris Weidman. It's a fight I purposely avoided because doing MMA math and what I thought in my gut, I thought that, that Jacare would win this fight. However, Chris Weidman, despite losing four out of his last five, always finds a way to prove me wrong whenever I think he is or isn't going to do something. And Jacare is old Jacare and the last-minute opponent switch. I just thought, man, this is going to be I – don't, I don't like this fight on either way. But uh, Jacare fought like a champ, bit down on his mouthpiece, swung for the fences, and knocked Weidman out with a punch to the forehead, which was awesome. You don't see that very often. And then Mergliata got absolutely raked over the coals for his officiating job after. I don't necessarily think that he's – I mean, listen, when you look at it in slow motion and you look at it time and time again, it looks like he did a terrible job there. However, when you look at what happened earlier in the night with the uh, Israel Adesanya-Derek Brunson fight where Derek Brunson got knocked and knocked down and got up and knocked and knocked down and got up probably three or four different times and they let them keep fighting out, that seemed to be the flavor of the evening. They were letting guys fight a little bit more. That being said, Weidman got clipped and went down like a ton of bricks and appeared to be in bad shape. However, he did roll towards the ankle of Jacare immediately and grab a hold of his ankle. Um, you know, Obviously, it was on autopilot. His eyes were rolled back. He was clearly not there. However, his body mechanics indicated that he might have had a little bit more fight left in him, and that was right in line with what we saw with the... Uh, the Adesanya and Bronson fight. So it is what it is. Uh, Jared Cannonier versus David Branch. Another fight we purposely avoided because Jared Cannonier fighting at 185 for the first time. You have no idea what the guy's going to look like or be capable of. So there's no point in taking a chance on him, even though he was a huge underdog and ended up looking like a world beater and absolutely beat the piss out of David Branch. Uh, Cannoneer looked like an absolute force to be reckoned with, and hopefully they don't give him too much too soon. like to see this guy develop. He's still got a lot of mileage left on him, and it'd be nice to see him develop uh, the way that he should in the middleweight division because I think he has real potential moving forward. Carl Roberson versus Jack Marshman was a fight that we liked. Uh, Carl Robeson obviously got the unanimous decision. Jack Marshman was game, real game. Um, Carl Robeson got hurt early in the fight and fought like he was hurt for most of the fight, but still did just enough to get the win. And, you know, that's that's all that really matters when those guys are trying to cash checks. Uh, Israel Adesanya, Derek Brunson, like I said, Derek Brunson looked completely outclassed, looked like a guy It was his first day in the gym, did not look good at all, did not look like he knew what to do, did not show up to fight mentally, it was just checked out from the very beginning, and Adesanya made him pay for it. Jordan Rinaldi, Jason Knight, that's a fight we missed. Um, Jason Knight made a switch to Team Alpha Male. He's a highly aggressive fighter, you know, but he was so overmatched on the ground when it came to Jordan Rinaldi, which is wild because you would think all the strong wrestlers at Team Alpha Male would have gotten him prepared for that, but he had absolutely no answer for that. I mean, we're talking a unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-25, and 30-26. That's a whole lot of 10-8 rounds coming out right there. The thing with that fight, though, is we we didn't play the winner. We played that the fight was going to be finished with, within the distance, and it came close a couple times. Jordan Rinaldi, not real 
keen on his uh, rear naked choke techniques, had a couple different options, and just absolutely refused to stop hand fighting in order to cinch those up. So we missed that one. Uh, Sajara Eubanks, Roxanne Modafari, like I said, we don't bet on women's MMA anymore. So we avoided that. Shaman Marais, Julio Arce. That was a bloodbath. Uh, if you tuned into the pay-per-view but missed the prelims, that's why the octagon was covered in blood. Uh, Rogan said that it was the bloodiest he'd ever seen the mat. However, he has short timers and forgot the Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon fight. If you haven't seen that, please go watch that. If you want to know what a CSI crime scene inside of a cage looks like, that's a great opportunity uh, also, Cain Velasquez versus Bigfoot Silva the second time. Also a bloodbath, and uh, there was one more that I was thinking of too. Oh, yes, Gilbert Melendez versus Diego Sanchez. Also, just an absolute massacre. It looked like somebody butchered a goat inside the cage. Absolutely wild. Lyman Good defeated Killer B, Ben Saunders. Killer B is not... Kill a B anymore. He's more like kill a B or be killed, and he is getting killed lately. Uh, this guy is just past his prime. He's punchy. It does not take much to put him out, and he purposely put himself in harm's way by clinching with one of the biggest power punchers the 170 division has to offer. That was bad news bears from the very beginning, and Saunders, you know, uh, our play for that one was Lyman Good under a round and a half, and that came in very. Uh, you know, very under the wire. We, you know, he finished him inside round one with about a minute and 30 some odd seconds left in the, in the round. So that was good. Well, one of our other picks, Matt Steamrolo for Vola versus Lando Venata, finished in a majority draw with the one judge scoring the fight for uh, Matt Frivola, which is how I scored it. Not just because I picked Frivola to win at a plus 230 underdog, but because I thought he actually won the fight. He did exactly what I knew he was capable of. And hopefully they run that one back. Lando Venata is a great fighter. He's a fan favorite. He deserves to fight, uh, you know, the top guys in the division. He just can't seem to put it together when it matters most or get away from the judges. Shane Burgos for, defeated Kurt Hollibaugh by submission via armbar. Burgos was in trouble prior to that, but he's super slick on the ground and got Hollibaugh to come in and uh, commit and, and just snatch that arm off. And then uh, DeLima defeated Adam Weiserich, which is another one that we liked. So all in all, it's a good weekend. It was a good event. Uh, you know, they were showing Ben Askren a lot. Be anxious to see what he brings to the table at 170. You know, he'd face some upper-level competition in Bellator, but you just never know with these guys. I mean, look at Hector Lombard. Uh, yeah, heck, look at Gilbert Melendez or Josh Thompson or – any of these guys, they come over from other ones and they look like world beaters. Eddie Alvarez, although Eddie Alvarez did win the belt, uh, you know, they come over and they just they either fizzle out or they simmer for a little bit and then fizzle out. I'm not sure what Ben Askren um, will do. If you look up his old fights with Sapo Santos, um, he you know he he took a beating in that first fight before the. Um, the no contest, what was that, eye pokes or groin shot or something like that. His body was getting, you know, he was just getting decimated with kicks to the body. He, 
you know, Ben Askren, despite being an Olympic wrestler, he's first team all bad body. He does not appear to be physically imposing. He beats you with technique more than anything else. Although he does have a high finish rate, even though people say that he's super boring. Just like Mighty Mouse. People forget that Mighty Mouse has a, actually has a really high finishing rate, despite the fact that people find him very, very boring most of the time. Uh, the big announcement, combat sports-wise, obviously, is Floyd Mayweather. I'm not a big fan of giving Floyd Mayweather any more airtime than necessary. Although he is, you know, he does demand a presence in the sport, despite the fact that he single-handedly, you know, ruined boxing um, and basically the way that, you know, combat athletes should conduct themselves, where they place money over morals and character, and you know. Just uh, Mayweather, I just don't have a nice thing to say about him, so I won't. But I will say that, Lord help him if he's going to fight this kid, if he's going to fight tension at, you know, with kickboxing rules. I don't know what they're going to do with this. I don't know if they're going to. It's it's going to have to be regular boxing. It's going to have to be. He can't allow kicks. There's no way if he allows kicks, even if it's leg kicks or leg kicks below the knee or just high kicks or something. If he allows feet in any way shape or form against this kid to fight despite the fact that that tension fights at 125 pounds 122 pounds something like that he's a small he's a small guy doesn't matter what weight they fight at if he allows this guy to use his feet it's a wrap it's an absolute wrap unless they've somehow found a way to throw fights uh which you know that would just completely tarnish mayweather's legacy more so than you know beating your old lady would but anyway um i I, i'd be anxious to i'm anxious to see the announcement just like everybody else is Uh, it makes sense that they're doing it in japan it makes sense that uh you know they're doing it on new year's eve you know they're it'll be it'll be interesting to see for sure it's hard to have a real well thought informed opinion on it without knowing what exactly the rule set's going to be but it, I would like to think that if they allow anything from elbows to knees, hell, even kicks, it's going to be a bad night because I can see, I can see that kid putting Floyd in the clinch, a la Anderson Silva, Rich Franklin, and going to town on him that way. Lord help him if he lets him throw elbows. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? Really? So big UFC event this weekend in Denver bringing it back for the anniversary card, the 25th anniversary card. was supposed to be Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar. Edgar pulled out last minute. You got Yair Rodriguez taking on Korean Zombie. I like Yair Rodriguez to win this fight. I don't know what kind of shape he's in, but Korean Zombie, you know, he just fights so infrequently, you don't know what you're going to get when he's out there. And that cage rust is real. The The fight speed is real and Yair Rodriguez is looking to bounce back. I, I would be, I'd be shocked if he lost this fight. Then you got Cowboy Cerrone, Mike Perry. My, my advice before we even get into Friday's show where we start talking about bets is absolutely avoid that fight. Uh, just enjoy it. You know, uh, the logic person, you know, the, the logical person in me says Mike Perry is going to win that fight just because Cowboy has been struggling lately with power punchers and guys that want to start quickly, which most assuredly Mike Perry will. However, the other part of me says that, you know, these guys have obviously sparred together before, and Donald Cerrone would not take this fight if he wasn't confident that he could win 
even with those sparring battles being what they were. So if he didn't think that he could win this fight based upon what happened in sparring, he would not have accepted this fight, regardless of his, uh, you know, persona, if you will, of wanting to fight anybody, anytime, anyplace. I, I guarantee you he's not fighting Showtime Pettis again. I guarantee you he's not fighting Rafael Dos Anjos again after those body kicks. That's not going to happen. So Mike Perry, I th- feel like Cowboy probably has a good chance of winning this fight. It's just going to be up to him on who shows up. But, again, with two fan favorites like that, just just enjoy the fight. I would I would ignore a uh, wager on that. Jermaine Durandamy versus Raquel Pennington. Pennington coming off that title loss. Jermaine Durandamy hasn't fought since she won a title. Uh, again, I don't. We're not betting on women's MMA anymore. But I think that Raquel Pennington, with as good as she's looked lately, despite getting throttled in that title fight, I think that she could probably pull out a win here. Joseph Benavidez, Ray Borg, Benavidez, greatest flyweight not named uh, Mighty Mouse. So I would like Benavidez to get back on track here and get Ray Borg out of there. Again, Macy Barber, Hannah Cyphers, avoiding that. Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena versus Mike Trezano. That's a great fight. Uh, Luis Pena's looked good, man. He's looked real good. And uh, I, I'm anxious to see how that fight's going to play out against Mike Trezano, who's a tough dude as well. Those two Warriors, that's going to be a great fight. Good one to start off the main card. Uh, pre- featured prelim, Amanda Cooper, Ashley Yoder. Yoder's on a three-fight skid. Uh Cooper's, you know, coming off a loss with uh, Mackenzie Dern, where Mackenzie Dern missed weight by about six bags of groceries and a couple beers. I mean, just absolutely didn't even try to make weight. Amanda Cooper's highly aggressive, though. I think she should be able to get the uh, get the job done. She's actually going to be on the show Friday. So, uh, but regardless of whether or not she was coming on the show, I like her a lot in this fight against Ashley Yoder. I think she's got the skill set and the aggression level to actually get the job done. Uh, and she's coming in an underdog too, plus 135. Good chance to make some money there. If you do bet women's MMA, which I told you four times now, we're not going to do it, so stop asking me. Chaz Skelly, Bobby Moffitt. Chaz Skelly looks good. Another first-team all-bad body, uh, but he is he puts a pressure on guys that just breaks them. Benil Dariush, Tiago Moises. Benil Dariush, when he's on, he's on. That's a good fight. Uh, Julian Erosa, Devontae Smith. I don't know these guys. Yeah, I'm pretty much burnt out for the rest of the card. I don't know who these guys are. I'll have to do some research on it. Don't want to give you bad advice or don't want to pretend like I know what I'm talking about when I don't. we got a lot of guys that are making, looks like making promotional debuts because I don't recognize the names at all. But outside of that, guys, uh, we do have a uh, a shorter show for you today because, like I said, we're flying solo, or I'm flying solo, rather, and uh, we don't have much. Uh, in the way for for recap on Tuesday because I mean we we had a good weekend you know we had a good weekend we missed some fights we missed you know some college football games you know could have went our way and didn't uh, West Virginia pulled out one of the biggest you know I I just you talk about some BDE Will Greer I mean just absolutely wild. Uh, WVU just going into the heart of darkness and getting that taken care of. Absolutely, you know, just suck the life out of, you know, 75% of the state of Texas. Just wild game. Uh, Got that one right. That was a Patreon pick. Again, if you guys aren't part of our Patreon program, for starters, if you go to our Instagram page, I put a post up 
if you tag two people that you like, well, actually, I don't care if you like them or not. Tag two people in the post and tell us what you do for your side hustle. And if you don't have a side hustle, say you don't have a side hustle. I don't care. Just tag two people in the post. I'll give you two weeks of Patreon picks for free. That's extra picks every weekend. If you like our show picks and you want some money off the show picks, I'll give you two weeks of Patreon just for tagging two people. Follow us on Instagram, tag two people, and we'll go ahead and knock that out. And we'll get you two weeks of Patreon picks for free. It's like a try it and if you like it, buy it kind of deal. You know, we'll try it like that. Uh, also, you may have noticed in our recent social media posts, we've been using the hashtag Joe Rogan 2019. That is the battle cry for this upcoming year. We're trying to get on to the Joe Rogan experience. We want to talk sports betting. We want to talk about gambling legalization nationwide. We want to talk about UFC. Goodness gracious. You want to hear two MMA nerds really geek out and talk about old fights. Put me in a room with Joe Rogan. Um, you want to talk about, you want to hear Joe Rogan deep dive into this conspiracy theory. Well, again, put him in a room with, with soup, you know, it'll be, that's the battle cry for the upcoming year. Uh, I've been being really lackadaisical on expressing why we've been putting those hashtags up, but Joe Rogan, 2019 is the hashtag. That is the battle cry. That's what we are after. We want to see the fistful of cash on there and, uh, you know, reach the greater masses, if you will, because reaching the greater masses means that we get to do more for more people, which is what we're about. So we also have some, you know, things in the works right now with a couple of different companies that we're going to be bringing you guys some really awesome deals and maybe a couple giveaways and all kinds of good stuff like that, especially towards Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I think it supersedes every holiday other than maybe the 4th of July, like 4th of July and Thanksgiving the most. So those are going to be the ones where I really go out of control. Um, you want to follow us on social media. You want to pay attention to that stuff because we do a lot of giveaways on there. We'll also do some giveaways on the show as well. We got a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of things in the works, a lot of ways to help people and a lot of ways to help yourself. So until Friday's show, where we hopefully be joined by ABC Amanda Cooper, I will talk to you guys then. Take care. Be good to each other. And in lieu of Brother Bear not being here, clear eyes, full fists, can't lose. <laughs>